We're going to read Psalm 63. Okay. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. And what a song of worship and praise. Uh, this prayer just draws my soul upward to God. It kindles in me anew just the, the fire of that passion and longing to know God, to desire God. Um, earlier this week, we were looking at Psalm 42, and I expressed then that this is kind of the heart of our faith, desire for God, passion, longing, hunger. My faith is cold without it. Um, my heart is hard. The duties of religious service become a burden, a weight, lifeless. I struggle with doubt and discouragement. And yeah, even in those times, by God's grace, we can and we must remain faithful, trusting in his presence and activity, and that one day he'll bring us out of the dry place. But we also trust and hope and believe that he'll meet us here now, that we can experience him. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Thirst. Uh, the intro to the psalm tells us that David wrote it when he was in the desert, physical desert, hot, dry, brutal. He's thirsty. He's longing for cool, clear water to refresh his body, to restore his strength, to bring relief to his parched mouth and his dry throat. But even here, he has a greater thirst, a greater longing for God himself. Can you feel it? I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you. Oh, if this could be how we relate to God. Have you thirsted for God like that? Could you compare your desire for God to a parched man's desire for water? Do you thirst for him now like that? Do these ancient words stir something up in your soul? If not, why not? And if so, what are you going to do about it? I've been actively following Jesus for more than 30 years. And there have been many different seasons and ups and downs, highs and lows in this journey with him. I remember plenty of dry times when I couldn't feel him. I, I didn't know that he was close. I had a hard time believing that he was actively working in my life. And I've had to just hang on with gritty faith and determination during those times. Sometimes I've almost lived like he wasn't even there. My prayers were half-hearted. They were cold, brief. Uh, thoughtless, powerless, faithless. 
Other times the longing for him has made me almost feel like I'm losing it. Up in the middle of the night, just praying and interceding and worshiping. Uh, I have very distinct memories of being in my in-laws home in their living room in the middle of the night, just on my knees or in the early morning, expressing my desire for God, my longing for him. Walking outside in the late hours in, in rural Virginia or in Uganda or in my neighborhood in Tulsa, just looking at the stars and feeling the yearning for something that I can't describe. David says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Now, some of those times that I've longed for him, I've really felt him. I've known that he was there. I remember being overwhelmed with his grace and mercy and love and how I loved him so deeply, it caused my heart to ache. I remember emotions swirling, my heart soaring. Like David said, I have beheld his power and glory. And with him, I, I concluded, your love, God, is better than life. Your love is better than life. Do we know that that's true? Do we know that today? Uh, because it is. Can you see it? Uh, let's not waste our time on lesser things. Let's not be satisfied. My lips, David declares, will praise you. What else is there to do? His love for me is overwhelming. I know I've read this quote to you before, but uh, it just speaks to me so much from C.S. Lewis. It says, it, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child, he wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Are you into your mud pie so much that you can't even understand what God wants for you? Is your desire for him so weak? Is my desire for him so weak? And David goes on and continues, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Whatever happens in life, I'll praise the Lord. That's what David is saying. I'll thank him and declare his greatness. This is true. I will be fully satisfied, he says, as with the richest of foods. Um, God will be for us like a great feast to a hungry man. This is for you. God's desire is for you to be satisfied. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Not only do I praise him in the sanctuary with all of my friends, accompanied by music and laughter and encouragement, but I also think of God alone in the night. I love this. He's such a treasure, such a wonder that I never have enough. The exuberance of public worship is amazing, as is the solemnity of it, the ritual of it, the beauty of it. I love it. But also the quietness of solitary prayer and meditation is also incredible. He meets us in so many different ways and places, but are we looking for him like that? Is your time with him relegated to Sunday mornings, maybe an evening here and there? Is that the time that we're going to give to God? Do we fill the rest of our time with other things? You know, the ever important and demanding practicalities of life, the mud pies of success and entertainment and wealth and security and control. What fills my mind as I lay in bed at night? My to-do list, 
my hopes for success in the next day, a weekend getaway. When the house becomes quiet and you're all alone with your thoughts, do you again just long for him? Do you think about what he's done for you? Do you imagine how you can glorify him, serve him? Do you wonder what he's thinking about tonight and what he's caring for and what's on his heart? Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. God's at work in your life. Uh, we're all here to glorify Jesus, to reflect what he is like to the world so that others also might know him. He's at work conforming me and you into his likeness. He's using your pain, your joy, your triumphs, your failures, your tragedies, your accomplishments. He's helping you. He, he, he does care about all these things that we care about, the things that trouble you and that worry you and that excite you. He cares about your promotion and your reputation and your dreams and your ambitions, your sorrows and your disappointments and your losses and your physical needs and your loneliness. He cares about those things. David says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let's cling to God. Don't let him go. Don't get distracted. Don't let your tendency to doubt him win the day. Don't cling to your desires or ambitions or hopes your sorrows or failures, but cling to him. He's what you need. Only in him can I be satisfied. Only in him can you be satisfied. Only in him do I have purpose. David concludes the psalm by declaring that his enemies will be utterly defeated and he, the king, will rejoice in God's deliverance. Again, remember that you'll be victorious in the end as long as you cling to God. You're secure. The mighty things that are arrayed against you will ultimately fail. The temptations will actually be overcome. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I just want to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not just trying to come up with a good message so that we can do this Zoom church thing today. I don't want to go through the motions. I'm thirsty for God. I want him. I want to be caught up in his plans and his purposes to give my life for him and for his cause. I want to know him. I want to experience him. I want to honor him in my life, bring him glory with my words, my actions. I want him to be my passion. He isn't always. I don't think about him always in the watches of the night or feel thirst for him. I get consumed with what needs to be done and I spend my mental energy worrying about specific situations and problems. Of course, we all do. I enjoy other things in life that don't seem to directly relate to praising him or serving him. I like basketball games and ice cream and Lord of the Rings and morning coffee, quiet evenings with my wife. In fact, I believe that all those things are gifts from him. They're not bad in any way. They're good. They're gifts. But I don't live for them. I at least try to not order my life around those things or even around the things that we would all classify maybe as more important or responsible. Money in the bank, education for my kids, safety for my family, success in my pursuits. These are also good things, and they're, they're, you know, they take up the better part of my time and labor. And they're my responsibility to look after. But even they are not ultimate. Only God is, knowing him, glorifying him. Uh, you can increase your thirst for him. If, you, if, if you're if in a place and saying, man, I, I don't long like that, but I want to. Uh, it, you can work on it 
increasing. You can train yourself to desire him through practice, through discipline, through determination. Uh, you can decide what you're going to be passionate about, what you'd be willing to suffer the loss of other things for. As followers of Jesus, we're all called to cultivate a passion for him and the things that he cares about, for his glory in the world, for his glory in my life, for his glory in my city, for his glory in the nations. I'm passionate about that, not because I you know, became a Christian so many years ago or whatever, but because I've decided uh, that that's what I want to care about. I've decided that this is what my life would be about, and nothing matters more than this. And this passion is fed through discipline, through developing habits, through making decisions in light of it. Um, these days, honestly, prayer is something that I'm drawn to. And reading the Bible is something that I'm drawn to. It not always is in every season, but I'm thankful that it is these days. And there's joy in it for me. Uh, oftentimes, prayer and Bible and other things are, are disciplines. They're not delights. Um, they're like working out, things that I'm devoted, you know, that you might be devoted to doing. Not that I'm particularly devoted to working out, clearly, but things that people could be devoted to, but it requires effort. They require saying no to other things so that we can say yes to that. Um, but seeking him is worth it. In the end, it comes down to just giving him as much attention during my day as I possibly can. Through praise and thanksgiving, through study, through worship, through intercession, through meditation, through conversation, through fasting, uh, through serving, through planning and strategizing, right, whatever. I have to do these things throughout the day, even in the midst of busyness. But I also have to take some chunks of time, however that can work in my life, to focus more intensely on him. There's no rule about it. There's no, got to read this many chapters a day or spend this much time and all that. But at the same time, we reap what we sow. If we sow sparingly uh, in these kinds of things, then we'll reap a weak passion. Um, but if we sow in these disciplines, then we'll reap a greater one. Some of you maybe have been wooed into this kind of longing and thirst before, but you've been disappointed. It didn't really yield the results that you wanted. You dreamed of walking closely with God and radically following him and living for him, but stuff didn't just go down the way that you expected it to. And now uh, you're tentative, you're unsure, maybe even downright cynical or unbelieving. But don't give in to it. You can trust him. He wants good things for him. You can pursue him even through the disappointments and the difficulties. He's worth it. Jesus is better. That's what I'm trying to say. He's better. He's better than whatever fights for my attention. He's better than whatever else makes me feel good or whatever makes me feel important or whatever else makes me feel powerful. He's better. I thirst for him. Maybe I can just challenge you to spend a little bit of time with him today. Maybe take a walk or shut yourself in your room, get on your knees and just for 15 minutes, Cry out to him, or 30 minutes, or two hours. Um, but just pour out your heart to him. Tell him how much you desire him, or how much you don't desire him, but you want to desire him. And ask him to fill you, to increase your thirst, and also to quench it. Father, thank you that you're good, that you're worthy. I pray that you would increase our desire for you, increase our hunger for you. May we call out like David, my whole body yearns for you, O God. Amen.